The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. To continue our study with the Beatitudes, we're going through the Beatitudes right now in the Sermon on the Mount. And folks, I do believe that we are closer and we're probably living in an age, end of an age, we see signs all the time. One of those signs is persecution of Christians. And you know, so many Christians are actually folding up when they should be standing up. And what we need to teach our children and those who are solid in their faith is how to stand on the solid rock, our Lord Jesus Christ. Because persecution is coming, and some of us may not even be prepared for it. Today we're going to be in verses 10 through 12. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, and I believe I'm starting to read in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What glorious words from our Lord Jesus Christ here. And I'm going to tell you something shocking. Some of you might be shocked by this, but you cannot be a genuine Christian and escape persecution. And if you go back to the Bible all the way from Revelation to Genesis, Genesis to Revelation, you know, you'll see that there's persecution on Christians all the time. For example... Take Abel and Cain, right? Abel did what God told him, but then Abel was killed by Cain. Cain was also a religious man, but he was bringing sacrifices that were not acceptable to God. And when I talk about persecution today, don't think of just like burning at the stake as we think like it's, you know, we go to the extreme People are being killed. It might include all those things, but persecution means to be harassed, to be pursued. So not necessarily being killed or, you know, thrown in prison and those kind of things. It might include those things. But the point is clear this morning. If you stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world, you're going to be persecuted. Because the Bible tells us clearly in 2 Timothy 3.12, and it says, Yes, and all, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who desire to live godly. So you can underline all, and you can underline will. So if you're going to live godly in this world, you will suffer persecution. And in today's world, the whipping boy is a Bible-believing Christian. It is. It's true today. Bible-believing Christians are widely persecuted on this planet. We talked about Afghanistan not too long ago. Think of all those brothers and sisters in Christ to what's happening to them now. And everything from limitation of freedoms, verbal abuse, all those kind of things, it's going to come. And if it hasn't already in some places... Again, it's not always going to be so intense. It's not always going to be the same degree. But if you're living 
for Christ and you're going to stand up for Christ, you're going to get persecuted. Persecution come to those who will live godly in Christ. Now, there's a way to escape this persecution. Like to hear about it? All you have to do is don't live godly. You can rub shoulders with the world, fail to take a stand, fail to be distinctive, and perhaps you will not suffer persecution. You can go through your whole life and not get persecuted. Approve of the world's standards, you're going to fit right in. Accept the world's morals and world's ethics. Join the world. Live like the world. Don't tell people that they're sinners. Don't tell people they're lost without Jesus Christ. Don't tell they're doomed and specifically do not preach about hell. Don't say anything about hell. Don't talk about that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You might offend other religions or systems of religions. Don't separate yourself from the world, all its activities. Just go along with it. Laugh at its jokes. Laugh when they mock God. Use his name. And just be ashamed to take a stand for Christ. Join a church. Yeah, you can still be Christian. Join a church where they give motivational speeches, make you feel good. Your best life now. I was listening to a pastor, and I believe what he used was a Chick-fil-A Bible translation. It's closed on Sundays. They don't have any Bibles out. They don't have the Word of God. They just come out and just talk about stories. They preach this, you know, sissified Jesus. And I was listening to the sermon. It's just like, Jesus needs you so bad. He's earning for you. Won't you be his friend? He needs you. You know, to, it's just kind of like God is God, and he's God love, you know. But they're preaching like you're breaking his heart by not coming to him. Like they present this Jesus like he's some kind of sissy. Like he needs you. He's earning for you. Last time I checked, Jesus was God. And in my Bible, this is how it describes him. If you really go to Revelations, and I'll read this to you. If you go to Revelations 19 and start in, in verse 11, it says this. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he judges and makes war. Doesn't sound like any sissy to me. He makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. That's his eyes. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a rope dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed with fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress in fierce, fiercenessness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And you see, the reason you hear about this sissified Jesus in 
not king of king, lord lords, is because people are more concerned about with culture than the word of God. They're more concerned of being Christian celebrities. We produce more Christian celebrities than Hollywood. They're concerned with all these things and having lots of people in the pew, and that's how they measure success, rather than, as we talked about, these beatitudes are the attitudes that ought to be in our lives. So if you do those things, I'll promise you, you'll never get persecuted. But when you do, I want you to examine yourself and see if you're truly in faith. Because that might be a good question. A lot of us call ourselves Christians, but are we? Do we have these attitudes in our lives? And I'll tell you something else. I'll add this in Luke 9, 26. It says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Jesus said, If you're ashamed of me, if you're not going to take a stand for me or my name, I'm going to be ashamed of you. And that's the last thing I want in my life. And I've read this verse to you before in Luke 6, 26. says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Kind of want to be a friend to the everybody, right? You hang on to the world. You hang on to the Christianity. You're just, can't we just all get along? You can't. You can't. And don't want to ever forget that. And when you're pleasing everybody, when you're popular, really, people don't know the truth about you because you masked your Christianity. And if we're going to live out these beatitudes in our lives, you got to get ready for a reaction. That's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's always been. And it will continue. There's no way to escape it. You can't live a righteous life in an unrighteous society without getting any kind of reaction. If you're not getting persecution, don't think you're like, oh, I'm doing so well. Because as we read, Bible says, all who desire to live godly will, will suffer persecution. Again, it doesn't mean that they're going to throw you in a dungeon. doesn't mean that they're going to tie you up to a post and whip you and so forth. doesn't mean that they're going to come with a machine gun and kill your children or something like that. They may. All that may happen, but that's not what necessarily it means. Again, it means to harass, to pursue, and we're going to see that in a moment. They're going to follow you, look at you. Remember when Daniel tried to pray? Those people always following him, watching what he's doing. So why are they going to persecute us? Well, if you look at Matthew 5.10... It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Righteousness' sake. The world will persecute you because of the lifestyle you manifest, you show. The person who is a righteous person, he's going to be separated from this world. So not everybody's going to get persecuted, number one. You have to earn persecution. You have to live a righteous life. And the way you live a righteous life, we talked about righteousness and so forth and being pure in heart is living a righteous life, being pure in heart, that word integrity. Living with integrity. 
pure in heart, people that mourn, hunger and thirst for righteousness, all these things, we talked about those. So you do all those things, you're guaranteed this number eight. And if you're not righteous, you forget it. You're not going to get persecuted. But you see, righteousness divides. It divides. We're a special people in Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim in praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. See, so if you're going to be a Christian, you're obviously going to live differently than the world. Your faith is different. It starts a different source. It's a different course. It's a different destination. You know, I remember hearing a story about a wife calling her husband and saying, hey, honey, he went to a store, and she said, I was watching the news. There's a crazy man on the freeway going the wrong direction. And he says, they're all going the wrong direction. That's how life is going to be when you're a Christian. Sometimes we think, here's the wide road and here's the narrow road, and you're going by on the narrow road. No. You're going to be on that road, and you're going to be going against the flow. You're going to get hit in the shoulders and so forth. Because that's the way... It is. All throughout Scripture. Because the kingdom people are just simply different. Remember we studied the Beatitudes in 5.3. It says, you know, you're blessed, blessed of the poor in spirit. We talked about that. Well, the world doesn't say you're to be poor in spirit. We don't like that. They don't like humility. Humility? Be number one, Right? Blessed the ones that mourn. Who wants to mourn? We want to laugh. We want to dance. Blessed are the meek. Don't be meek. Be mighty. Be a muscle man, dollar man, and so forth. A missile man. Whatever you do, just don't be meek. The world doesn't like that. The world thinks meekness is weakness. So if we take all these beatitudes that we talked about so far, if you're living them out, to a degree, you will get persecution. You will get number eight. You will get number eight. Because we are the children of light, and they are children of darkness. And the problem is sometimes we have, let me describe it this way. A while back, we had a little dog, a Morky, not a dog I wanted. You know, I wanted a German Shepherd, manly dog, but I was outvoted. And I went to Costco, and I'm embarrassed, at, you know, about this little dog you put in the purse. So I'm buying dog food at Costco, and this lady goes, oh, what kind of dog you have? Oh, I have a police dog. And she says, a German Shepherd? And you know I can't lie to her. I said, no, it's a Morky. She says, that's not a police dog. I said, well, he's in secret service. <laughs> and see, the problem is we're not getting persecuted either because we have a lot of CIA operative Christians. 
we're in secret service. Nobody knows that we're not Christians. You know, I remember the pastor sharing a story about a guy who went to work and he was working with a man that would always use profanity and so forth. And he came back home and she asked him how his day was. And he said, nobody knew that I was even a Christian. Everything went fine. And some of us are not getting persecution because we don't display in our lives these beatitudes. We should be living by the Spirit. You see, we live by the Spirit. The world lives by in sin. We live by faith. They live by sight. We understand them. They don't understand us. And we'll talk about this next Sunday, but in Matthew 5.13, he says, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You see, if you're the salt, you ever put a salt on the wound, it's going to irritate. It's going to burn. We're the light of the world. Light reveals. Light exposes. We're different. It's righteousness. Now, I want to be careful here when I talk about righteousness because some say, well, I'm being persecuted for blah, 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 when really you're not being persecuted. There's a difference. It says for righteousness' sake. If you're being persecuted for your own stupidity, that's punishment. You know, sometimes people are prosecuting attorneys instead of being witnesses for the Lord. So we have to be, be careful because we are punished by good people when we do evil and persecuted by evil people when we do good. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 14 and through 16, it says this, If you are reapproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you on their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But then he says in verse 15, but let no one of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. You stick your nose in somebody else's business, right? What you find on there? Sometimes a fist, right? So you're not being persecuted. But then in verse 16, he says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in his matter. So we shouldn't suffer as a busybody. The persecution is for righteousness' sake. So again, we're to be witnesses for the Christ. You know, witnesses tell what they saw, what happened to you, and so forth. But we're like the prosecuting attorneys sometimes when we're acting, we're reacting with the world, just like, hey, you're going to hell, and so forth. That's part of it. But you got to tell them the good news, too. There's a way out. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're to be different, but you shouldn't be odd. So it must be for Jesus' sake. And again, it also means to pursue. Pursue. When you're different, they're going to be looking at you weird and so forth. And they're going to pursue you. They're going to watch you like a hawk. The scribes did this and Pharisees with Jesus. They did it quite a lot. If you look at Luke 6, 7, it says, So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. So they're always looking, looking for something that they can grab onto and for some flaw, some flaw in you. 
and it makes them feel better when they find something, they condemn you. And you know, one of the examples is they were looking at Jesus. He was walking through the wheat field with his disciples, and they were hungry. Do you remember this story? And it was Sabbath. So his disciples plucked some wheat, uh, wheat and began to eat it. And look what they said in Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 25 and 26. Because the Pharisees were accusing him of breaking the Sabbath. But Jesus said, but he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? And he and those with him? And he went to the house of God in the days of Abithar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and he also gave some to those who were with him. And then Jesus said in verse 27, the Sabbath was made for men and not men for Sabbath. But you know what I find funny in this whole story? What a bunch of uh, scribes and Pharisees, what are they doing in the wheat field anyway? Have you thought about that? What are they doing there? Kind of hee-haw, we got you, right? Hiding in the, wheat, the, the, the field. They're following Jesus. They were pursuing. And they'll do the same to you. People are watching us. They'll be circling like barracudas. And I know people at my work watch me. Why? Because I said I'm not wearing a, a badge for Pride Month. I'm not wearing it. Because it goes against my values. So they will criticize you. They'll watch you. They will say all kinds of lies about you. So number one, they'll persecute you for the life that you show. But if you look at verse 11, <clears throat> it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. They will also tell or spread lies about you say things that are not true. And I remind you, the most righteous person on the planet, Jesus, how do they persecute him? How do they crucify him? Just a whole bunch of lies. And when he was on the cross in Matthew 27, verse 44 says, even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. They mocked him. They made fun of him. How did the first persecution in Chris, or in Christians in Rome started? Do you remember Nero? He wanted some property, get rid of the slumps, so he started the fire and then it actually burned Rome. What did he do? It's those Christians. It's those Christians. Blame those Christians. So, folks, I know in America we haven't experienced the kind of persecution that goes on in different parts of the world, but it's coming. And we need to be prepared for it. You need to prepare your children for it. And they're going to spread lies and say all kinds of things. Why? Because they're the children of the devil. Look at John 8, 44. It says, And your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So don't be surprised when you're going to get lies or accusations against you. Because that's what the devil does. 
So don't think the devil fights fair. He doesn't. So you're going to get persecuted for the life you show. There's going to be lies that you're going to suffer for. Somebody asked me, do people ever lie about you? All the time. Is the water wet? Like, it should be expected. It should not come to us as a surprise. So if you want to do the right thing, if you're going to be living a righteous life, live with integrity in your life, you're going to get persecution. Again, in verse 11, it says, against you falsely for my sake. For my sake. Why? Because the world hates Jesus. You need to understand that. The world hates Jesus. But I want to be careful and tell you what kind of Jesus they hate. They don't hate the baby Jesus. No, they don't hate the baby Jesus. The world does not hate the baby Jesus. The world loves the baby Jesus. That little baby in the manger, you know, during Christmas time. I mean, the biggest pagans in the world will sing Silent Night, Holy Night, right? The merchants, the stores, they all love baby Jesus. So they don't hate the baby Jesus. They don't hate the Jesus that healed and fed the poor and so forth. They'll give money to the causes and so forth. We do that. Pagans donate money, do all those things. But I'll tell you, there's a Jesus that the world hates. And it says this very clearly and plainly in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the Jesus the world hates, because he came to destroy the works of the devil. What are, who are these people? The abortioners, pornographers, all these things that go on in our Society, pride, racism, greed, and so on. Jesus stands against these things. And in John 7, 7 says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that works are evil. It's all over Scripture. If you look at John 15, and verses 19 through 22, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. There you go. Just be worldly and the world will love you. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, as a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you, for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. That's the Jesus they hate, because now they have no excuse for their sin. That's the Jesus world hates, not because he was a baby or healed the sick, but because he came to rip off the mask and show us who we truly are and testify to this world. He came to condemn sin. Jesus exposed their sin, and they hated him, and they still hate him. And that's why we're going to be persecuted if we're true believing, Bible-believing Christians. 
So folks, this should not be a shock to us if this is happening in your life. The Word of God tells us clearly and plainly. You look at 1 Thessalonians 3.3. It says that no, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. We are appointed to this. And in Philippians 1.29, Paul writes, for, you, for to you it is granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. In Galatians 4.29, it says, But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. It's always been. The one that's born in the flesh will always persecute the one that's born in the Spirit. So don't forget, when you receive Christ, you receive suffering. And people say, well, I don't want to receive him. Well, that's your business. You know, there's a lot of people that were following Jesus, and then they kind of separated themselves. I believe it's in John uh, chapter 6. And then he even looked at his disciples and said, do you guys want to leave me? You guys can go too. And Peter said, where are we going to go? You have keys to the eternal life. So sometimes people say, well, I won't receive him. Or they will receive him and say, I'm a Christian. But they don't want to suffer or do anything that's caused to them negatively in their lives. They just be quiet. They don't want any trouble. Well, I will doubt that you're a true Christian. It can't be that way because the Bible plainly tells us. And Peter also writes this in 1 Peter 4.12. He says, Beloved, do not think... It's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some, some, some strange thing happened to you. This is to be expected. So you're going to be persecuted for the righteous life that you live. You're going to be spreading lies and so forth. There's going to be personal insults. Again, look at verse 11. Blessed are they when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, for my sake. Folks, it may be personal insults. I've been insulted a number of times for the name of Jesus, clearly. You know, sometimes I, you know, we're trying to grow my network of pastors, and then all of a sudden with this coronavirus, these pastors have differences with me because I'm not woke enough, I guess. But, I'm not saying this to get pity because, you know, there's a saying, the fleas come with the dog. <laughs> it's all expected. It's expected. You're going to be ridiculed. There's also going to be physical intimidation. Right now, there's people in prison because they're standing up for Jesus here in the United States. But we see it a lot abroad, for example, for China, right? In China, Christians who worship in churches that are not state-run, they go to jail, they get tortured. And right now, they're actually paying $100 to $150 to any citizen that turns in Christians if they see them gathering in neighborhoods. So there's actually a federal program that they have that does that. In Sudan, Christians are sold often to children and to prostitution and things like that. 
In Pakistan, if you refuse to be converted back to Islam, you're going to be killed, put to death. So there's those things. And we talk about social injustice, right? Well, there's going to be social injustice for Christians. And Jesus gave us a warning about this in Mark. In Mark 13, verses 9 through 13, it says this, But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony to them. And the gospel must be first preached to all nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you, you up, don't worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death. A father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. See, so we are going to be suffering, suffering persecution, not just from the world and governments. We're going to be suffering persecution from other Christians. It says we're going to, they're going to bring you to synagogues. They're going to bring you other religious leaders and so forth. If you don't go along with the world, right? Love is love. Jesus loves everybody. That's preached in our churches today. They're going to look at you as a hater. The government will persecute you. In verse 9, it clearly says that. They're going to deliver you to councils, rulers, and kings. Not only that, but in verse 12, it talks about the domestic world. There's going to be father against child, and children will rise up against parents. Why? Because you're a Christian, they're not. There becomes conflict in the home because you don't agree with the worldview or their certain lifestyles. But what's our reaction? So we know it's coming. We know from who it's going to come. What's our reaction? Well, you've got to ring in life. Really, don't forget these promises. If you look at Matthew 5.10, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When people persecute us, and again, make sure it's for righteousness' sake, for his name's sake, don't forget who you are. You're the children of the kingdom. I told you last Sunday, you're looking at Prince Cornet. We're inheriting the kingdom. And because we're the children, we should bring in life. And you know, sometimes we want to revenge or we do you know, what they've done back to us. And really, I talked about this before. There's three levels of life. The hellish level is when you, somebody returns evil for good. You know, the human level is evil for evil, good for good. But the heavenly level is always returning good for evil. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5, verses 43 and 45, says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Verse 45. 
that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. When they persecute you, don't give in. You're living up here, they're living down there. And you see, when you abandon that, when you want to get even, you're no longer living up here. You're living down here. You leave your status, you leave your position, you're no longer reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember who you are. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness' sake. And then rejoice in the Lord. In verse 12, it says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't sit in a corner when things are going this way. You didn't get the promotion or something like that. Don't suck on your thumb. Because the Bible says, so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. You know, when I want to get to heaven, all true saints are going to have some marks on them. Jesus has some marks on his body, right? Paul's going to have some marks and I don't know if maybe they'll be sharing, like, look at my scar, right? But I don't want to get to heaven and they say, Cornelia, where's your scars? I don't have any. I don't have any. Think of the company you're in. Do you want to be a prophet? Persecuted the prophets. There's a company we resemble. But the compensation we receive, it says, for great is your reward in heaven. And you look through Scripture, apostles, preachers were persecuted, and they were also always rejoicing in the Lord. If you look at Acts 5.41, it says, So they departed from the presence of the council. They brought them to the council. They told you not to preach and so forth, throw them in jail and so forth. But they're saying, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They said, oh, you want... We're suffering for Jesus Christ. We're getting some scars. When I get to heaven, I'm going to show some scars. They were rejoicing in that. And they told them not to preach, but they departed. But in verse 13 in Acts 4, it's an interesting thing. It says, Now they saw boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled because the Holy Spirit gave him things to say. But look at the last phrase here, and they says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They were persecuted, but the way they reacted in such a way that these people said they were with Jesus. Because there's a certain reaction. So when we get persecuted, don't forget who you are. Stay true to the Lord and rejoice in the Lord. And lastly, release the love. We did a love series. We talked about biblical love. In verses 44 and 45 of Matthew 5 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you, which is completely opposite of what the worldview is. And he says that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. That's why we need to release this love. And it's not nearly 
just given sympathy, it's actually doing good to them. Because as we read, God makes rain on the unjust and the just. But our reaction is we're going to treat some people nice because they're nice to us, and we're going to treat some people wrong because they've been wrong to us. But we need to be like God, like Father, like Son, to demonstrate His characteristics in our lives. And folks, we need to be like God and love them. We talk about that a lot, but we need to actually implement it into our lives. Aren't you glad that God loves sinners? Because in Romans 5 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Where would we be if he didn't love us? And you have to understand these people are blind. You know, sometimes people say, oh, they're just sinners and blah, blah. Well, that's what sinners do. They're going to do what sinners do. They're blind. They don't have life. They don't understand. And Bible says, actually, when they're going to persecute us, when they're going to kill us, when they're going to put us to death, they're actually going to think that they're doing God a service. And John 16, 2 says, they will put you out of synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. They're blind. There's a deacon in the Bible named Stephen, and he was a powerful preacher of the Word of God. And they could not change him. They would not unconvert him. They could not intimidate him. So they stoned him to death. And when he was being stoned, there was a young man standing there. Remember who that man was? Saul. He was holding the garments in Acts 7:58. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And this Saul was holding their garments. Later on, he became Paul, the mightiest Christian missionary, theologian. What changed him? You know, sometimes we think about on his way to Damascus and God stopped him. But I think what changed him is not only that, but the way Stephen died. When Stephen was being stoned, he looked up to heaven and said this, in Acts 7.60. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And we had said this, he fell asleep. I think Saul never forgot that. You know, he was consenting to his, their death, to Stephen's death and so forth. And other Christians, if you look at Acts 8, uh, one, now Saul was consenting to his death and at the time of great persecution arose against the church which was in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And when Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus in Acts 9.5, he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. Who are you persecuting? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. You know, kicking against the goats inflicts pain to the kicker. Jesus was saying the process of persecuting Christians, Saul was kind of hurting himself. He wasn't hurting him physically, but I think he was referring to his conscience. Here he is, killing them, persecuting them, 
and they're praying for the guys that are killing them. I don't think he could have got that image out of his head. And after that, Paul says, what do you want me to do? Do you remember, the? and I'm going to end here with this story, do you remember the uh, Hebrew boys, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, and Daniel 3 in Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar had a new law, build a God, and everybody's going to bow down to it. And those boys said, hey, we're going to work for you. We're going to do everything. We're going to be good workers. We'll do a good job, but we're not going to bow down to that God. And he's, Nebuchadnezzar says, you don't understand. When I say you need to bow down, you need to bow down. And say, King, without due respect, we're not going to bow down. And I'm sure you all know the story, so I'll try to keep it short. But I like the part where they said, the God whom we serve, the God who we serve, is able to save us. But if he doesn't, know this, we're still not going to bow down to your gods. So he became mad, right? He said, get that fire started, make sure it's heated. And then they tied their hands and so forth and their legs, and they threw them into that fire. And then he was watching them burn, and all of a sudden he said, wait a minute, didn't we put three people in there? I said, yeah. Well, why are they walking around and their hands are untied? And there's a fourth one that looks like the Son of God. That's Nebuchadnezzar. What's going on? We tied them up, threw them in the fire. Now they're walking around, free, and they were delivered. When God brings you persecution, remember, if you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake, he's going to be there with you. And again, I'm sure you guys all want a story like, you know, like the three Hebrew boys you want to walk out. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, in Hebrews 11, if you talk about the heroes of faith, you keep reading, you know, all this, did that, 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 and then it says, and the others who suffered persecution. And I always say the reason it says the others and not somebody's name because there's just too many to list. They died, they were sawn in half, and so forth. But when you stand up for Christ, the reason I'm talking about this story, when you stand up for Christ, Christ is not going to be ashamed of you, but also it brings testimony to the world. If you're willing to die, if you're willing to be thrown in a fire for, for the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to be crazy if he's not real, right? But at the end, Nebuchadnezzar brings him out. They were unharmed. And do you remember what he did? He said, there's no other God. Sent it across the land that there's only one God, and that God is God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm telling you, folks, when the world sees us not in this 
arrogance, but genuine love. When they see us willing to suffer for the name of Jesus and not retaliate, when you reign in your life, you know who you are. You know God's in control. You're his child. When you rejoice in the Lord and you respond in love, you're going to be different. And folks, most of the time, when the world looks at that, they would want to have that too. They would want to have that too. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much what you laid on my heart this morning. Talk about persecution, though we cannot fully understand and how and what's going to come in our lives, but it's going to be coming. To some, it may be more severe than others, but sometimes it may cause our jobs, our friends, our families. And I pray that you give us wisdom when these times come in our lives that we act the way you want us to act, not retaliate, but demonstrate your characteristics in our lives so we may be called the sons and daughters of God. And Father, as we leave this place today, I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen.